and welcome to We Are History with me, Angela Barnes. And me, John O'Farrell. Now, I think we should make clear before we start that it's very important for historians like us, that's what we are, to remain neutral and above petty party politics. Just because Mrs Thatcher was the bane of your youth, it doesn't mean that we're going to approach this episode on her departure with any sense of glee or... Or, or Schadenfreude. John, put the kazoo away. Put the party <laughs> poppers away, John. <laughs> John, it was over 30 years ago. Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. Good, good, good. <laughs> No, we're historians. We are, we are historians. serious historians, John. And we are going to be talking about the... Now, try and say, I'll try and say this without you shouting with glee. The fall of Margaret Thatcher. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I'm going to be leading on this one. I mean, uh, yeah. a lot of research for me in this one. I haven't heard of this lady before this, uh, before Angela suggested we did this. <laughs> Actually, is... it was me. It was me. I suggested we do this. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was me. I am the reason yeah, for I the fall of down. Margaret Thatcher. Obviously, I, I, you did. I brought uh, uh, my satirical sketches on Spitting Image of Weekending. That's what did for us. <laughs> yes, dear. My Star, my Star Trek parody. <laughs> So it was um, November 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was 28, uh, very active in the Labour Party and writing for uh, t- uh, topical comedy shows. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, I felt it very strongly. It was very close to my heart. Angela, you were probably like four or something. I, I was not quite. I was um, 14 in November oh, okay. 1990. I turned was the year I turned 14. Yeah. Oh, so you remember it. So I do remember it. I remember being in a drama class at school and obviously drama teachers all oh, yes. lefty not, not hippies. Their, yeah. And even in Maidstone, the drama teachers are lefty hippies. And I remember <laughs> going into a drama class and my drama teacher being like, have you heard? And obviously this is the days before where we have, you know, constant yeah. news updates. And we were like, what? So Margaret Thatcher's resigned. Because she'd obviously been watching it in the staff room. And we were like, oh, that's... um..." And, of course, I had to go home to my Tory dad and pretend not to be ecstatic about it. Well, um, uh, we're going to take you back in this podcast like it's the end of the 80s. Uh, She'd been there uh, all through my youth. I was 17 when she came to power. She towered over the decade uh, like a colossus. So yes, a bit of background. Um, her election in 79 was a was a real watershed in British politics. It was the end of the sort of post-war consensus where we all agreed the welfare state was a good thing and that we did things communally rather than as individuals. It's probably worth mentioning uh, what a massive deal it was in 79 to have a woman prime minister. Yeah. I always say about this, because people, somebody said that to me about Theresa May recently and with the whole yeah. coronavirus pandemic and saying you know if only she was still in charge because at least she's a woman mm. and my response to that is always like yes it was an, it, it was an incredibly important thing to have a female but, but did it have to be those ones for well, a start quite. I mean and, give me you know New Zealand or Iceland or whatever exactly you know. and I always say I'm going to quote my own material now in the show oh, but yeah, go for it That's I what always, we do this well, podcast for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well my thing is you know as a feminist I think some jobs aren't very feminist. And I think leader of the Tory party is probably one of them, you know. And as a feminist, I don't get excited when there's a female leader of the Tory party in the same way I don't get excited if there's a female serial killer, you know. <laughs> That's a fair like, comparison, Angela. Yeah, I no, think, no I one think, in the history of I the think... world has ever said, now say what you like about Rose West, but she really made it in a man's world, have they? <laughs> you know, it no, doesn't... This is good stuff. Yeah. I'm going to come and see you again. Thank 
Yeah, you should come to my new show, John, if I ever, ever get to do one again. Oh, dear. Lovely. I love her touching Rose West material. Yeah, yeah I think that's a fair comparison. A bit hard on serial killers, if I'm honest. Well, yeah. But, um, yeah, what we want is feminist prime ministers, really, not yes. Margaret Thatcher and Theresa May. Yes. We went to Ireland in 1979, me and my family, and we met some relatives there, and they said to us, this was like the July 79, when she was elected in the May, and they said, now, what do you think of this Margaret Thatcher? Hmm. And uh, my mum said, oh, well, we don't like her at all. And uh, our cousin said, I think it shows one thing, that a woman's place is in the home. <laughs> and my mum was going, that's not what I mean at that's all. That's not the point. <laughs> that's not why we don't like her, for God's sake. Um, it's it's yeah, a she... weird thing. I mean, you say you were how old when she was elected? You were 17. 17, yeah. Because yeah. she... She was just there my entire childhood. I was yeah. two when she was elected. No, three when she was elected. Nearly three. Right. And, yeah. and you know, 14 when she resigned. So it's my entire childhood, really. She was yeah. just, to me, that's what a prime minister was growing up. It was Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, I remember Arthur Smith in, the, the, in about 1990, uh, Arthur Smith used to do this joke on the circuit, which was, I bet most people in this room have only had sex under Thatcher. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, he, and then he said, and it'd have to be under Thatcher, wouldn't it? She'd never let you go on top. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> uh, so, yes, I mean, she was there, felt like forever, especially when mm. you were young like we were back then. She was also the first scientist in Downing Street, which is also uh, unusual. Um, mm. And she wasn't some classics graduate from Oxford and Eton. She was a grammar school girl. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, she, but, but, you know, there'd been a real end to the sort of presumption that there was a duty of the state to care for the most vulnerable mm. and that the health service was organised along the best well, lines possible. It's you know. sort of the beginning of that thing that we're seeing play out now, isn't it? The baby boomers who, you know, use a lot of war rhetoric and stuff, for the exact opposite reason that, that actual people who lived through the war would use it for. And it was Absolutely, the sort of beginning yeah. of that, was it? The beginning of the baby boomers coming in and going, yes, I know there was a war and it was all bad, but yeah. actually, you know, forget all the good that came out of that. Yeah. She was um, elected for the third time in 1987. A huge majority. Massive majority. Looked unassailable, right? But then what happened yeah. in 1989? Oh, we did a podcast about that, There Angela. is an episode the, the across <laughs> Europe, the, all the communist regimes started to fall, the Cold War suddenly ends and you've got yes. Mandela's released so the end of apartheid in South Africa the world's changing fast and suddenly she was from another age she was from this sort of mid-century place yes the, the, post-war sort of yeah you know, uh, cold war actually the Russians had caught, dubbed her the Iron Lady which was mm. a label she very much uh, liked and adopted I mean her and Gorbachev got on she said she could do they? business with him yeah they um uh, and, 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 and he with her the, she'd been great friends with Reagan and now uh, George Bush was in um in power in uh, America, the first George Bush. Uh, so there was this sort of change in, across the world of this sort of more conservative type of leadership. But when you're in power for a long period, you accumulate enemies. And she had a lot of embittered ex-ministers and she was becoming increasingly autocratic and her little England mentality had sort of isolated Britain and Europe, put her at odds with her senior ministers, particularly on the issue of Europe. When we did that episode on the 75 referendum, you know, yes. it was Thatcher in her jumper, but over the course of, of time, yeah. that really... Yeah, she's lead the opposition then, of course, back in yeah. 75. So by 1990, she had become much more suspicious. She was against German 
reunification. She came from that sort of post-war generation that didn't trust Germany. Mm-hmm. Whereas her senior ministers, Jeffrey Howe and Nigel Lawson, dad of Nigella to our of younger course. listeners. Yes. <laughs> Jeffrey Howe was like this really dull but sort of ploddy Eeyore type of minister. Dennis Healy said of him it was like being savaged by a dead sheep. <laughs> But uh, those were her two most senior ministers who were very much in favour of Europe and she became increasingly at odds with them and that sowed some of the seeds of this. Her style of conviction politics made her sort of plough on regardless, even when it was obvious that uh, she was making mistakes. A big part of this episode is going to be the poll tax. The poll tax was a political disaster and it's one of the things that brought her down. So 1989, May 1989, um, Euro elections, the first Labour victory since 1974. That's amazing, isn't it? That yeah. really is, yeah. And as you were, were you I canvassing? Well, I was involved and... in that. We won London South West. So the good people of Epsom had a Labour MEP. Um, wow. As, uh, you would have been Battersea, but that's all part of the same Yeah, that was European... all the London South West yeah. was, was at the most South... marginal yeah. win. The uh, Tories had had a, had a campaign poster that said, if Labour win... You'll live on a diet of Brussels. With a big <laughs> oh, picture I see of what they sprouts. did there. They're funny, aren't they, those Tories? Aren't they funny? It's me writing for Spitting Image, and I'm thinking, I give up. I can't be funnier than that. <laughs> live on a diet of Brussels, because Brussels People is a place. Say, but it's why also aren't there more. Um, oh, thanks for it. Yes, I've yeah. heard it now, John. People say, yeah. why aren't there more right wing comedians? I say, that is, that is why. <laughs> <laughs> live that on a right. diet of Brussels. That's my time. You've been great. <laughs> Yeah, I was campaigning in um, London South West. The Labour candidate was called Anita Pollock. And in The Guardian, somebody uh, somebody must have said to the uh, copy editor, I don't think, you know, if we say the poll was uh, 43%, people don't understand that. But change poll to turnout. So right. they all the document, through the document, it said poll change. And so the, our candidate was Anita Turnoutuk. Oh, because <laughs> they printed her name as Turnout. <laughs> uh, I, I remember reading about this in in uh, in John's book. Things can oh. only get better. Oh, have you read um, my book? Andrew? I have, and I've recently reread. The, I mean, that was let's be honest, John. The prep I did for this was reading those three chapters in your book. So when did you read that book? I have read it before, John. I didn't only just read your book. In fact, I read I'd read your book before I even met you. So, oh, well, I'm very pleased to hear um, that. Yes, because we met when you came to see me do an Edinburgh show well, back in sort of, yeah. I, I, so 2014. we got in contact on Twitter anyway. We met on Twitter after that. Was that 2014? We did. 2014 was that show, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was a very good show, you everyone. To... Thank you bring very it, bring much. It, bring it back around. Bring it back. Do it on TV or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure, I'll just bring up Netflix. <laughs> and um, Netflix yeah. special. Yeah. Uh, Angela's Edinburgh show. John O'Farrell yeah. said, can I do my Edinburgh show from 2014, please? That usually swings it. <laughs> that usually swings it. Um, so, yes, no, uh, obviously one of the reasons uh, it's very easy for me to do this, it's, uh, uh, it, this is material I am well steeped in. So if, I've re- if I repeat any jokes from any of my books... This is for purely environmental reasons. Um, So autumn of 1989, Thatcher had been in for 10 years and there was a growing sense that she was out of touch on Europe and that she had alienated a lot of her own party despite her massive majority. And so this MP that nobody had heard of before called Sir Anthony Mayer decided to stand against her for the leadership. Uh, Now, this is obviously a token competition but what it did was uh, he was called a stalking horse candidate. The idea being he would draw out, you know, um, uh, bigger beasts. Ah, um, oh, that's what stalking horse means. OK, yeah. I've never heard that phrase before. Yeah. So he was like, a, he, you know, he's a sacrificial sort of uh, candidate mm. uh, to test the waters. Canary in the mine of uh, politics. 
Um, we're mixing our metaphors. He was, a stalk, he was a stalking canary to test the water. That's what he was. Um, so, uh, so Anthony Mayer, he was the MP for somewhere in North Wales, I think, pro-European. Everyone's like, oh, well, this is, you know, she's going to win easily. But 10% of Tory MPs voted against her. And that was like, OK, that's quite a lot, considering quite a few more abstained as well. Yeah. But Maggie didn't see anything to worry about. Who would have guessed that a year <gasps> later she would be gone? But this is, I mean, yeah, arrogance by this point. I suppose once you've been in power for 11 and a half years, yes, um, you know, you. and you've won three general elections, I suppose the arrogance and complacency are well set in by that point. Absolutely. So come Tory party conference, October 1990, she's looking confident. She yeah. did that speech uh, about the, well, with reference to the Lib Dem logo, wasn't it? It was, she, they had little birds, the bird, Little bird, yeah. and um, very funny, John, very droll, because what she did, you see, because it's a bird, yeah, she, it's okay. yes, she yes, did yes, the Monty Python dead parrot sketch at the Tory oh, party conference, that's, that's John. The first, first the Brussels very funny. and now this. I read an interview with, I can't remember who wrote that speech, but I remember reading an interview with who Whoever it was who wrote that speech for her saying she didn't get the joke at all. <laughs> she had no sense of humour at all. She but absolutely she, she, didn't know what she was saying. But she ploughed on through going, it is an ex-parrot. It has gone <laughs> oh, to meet God. its maker. This is a dead... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Mrs Thatcher doing the parrot sketch at the Tory com conference. I can't think uh, of anything worse. Um, I've just cringed myself inside out, John. That's what's <laughs> happened here. But actually, the next week... The Liberals, who are supposed to be sort of dead as a party, they took a massive by-election victory off the Tories. They won Eastbourne mm. in a landslide. And so you could see that uh, the Tories might not be quite as secure as she thought they were. Yeah. Fault line in the Tory party, really, back then was Europe. Can you imagine it? Thank God that never <laughs> that came up. That could never happen again, could it? Thank God that never came to blow up in the country's face. Um <laughs> But yes, both her Chancellor Nigel Lawson and Sir Geoffrey Howe believed mm. that we should be in the... Um, um, that's, uh, that's my notes. That um, um, should be in the ERM. <laughs> the ERM is the noise you make. You should try to remember what it stands for. Um, <laughs> what does it stand for? It stands for European... Ah! <laughs> European, obviously. Obviously, Angela. I got that bit. I guess the E no, was European. For, no, it's not. It's not. It's the exchange rate mechanism. Oh, it is the exchange rate mechanism. Of yeah, course yeah. it is. Yes. Oh, this, is, this is gripping stuff. Exchange rate mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> so People listen about... to this. Okay, why are we no. listening to this? We could just read Wikipedia where they've actually checked the facts. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so this is basically about European Monetary Union and uh, yeah. how and Lawson were in favour of it mm -hmm. because they'd read some stuff. Thatcher was completely against it because she didn't trust the Germans. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's quite typical of that generation and sort yeah. of understandably so. Far be it from me to sympathise with Margaret Thatcher, but they, you know, two wars uh, and uh, suddenly they've got, you know, post-war stronger yeah, economy keep digging, Angela keep digging <laughs> just coming out as a closet Tory here well. yeah, yeah I mean you can't really trust the Germans it's gay I mean got a point <laughs> well I mean yeah she wasn't basing this on policy or evidence she was just taking it on a gut feeling about emotional the gut of feeling. Germany and Europe what yeah. I'm saying is, I'm not saying she was right to distrust the Germans. I'm saying I can understand why that emotional distrust might yeah, be there. Yeah, yeah, more generous. Than I me. love the right. Germans, me. I love and them. You do, actually. You do. You have German In fact, I had a German classes. conversation class this morning. Das ist gut. Ja, sehr gut. So, Howe and Lawson got together and asked for a meeting with her. And they said, we're both going to resign together unless you agree that Britain joins the exchange rate mechanism. And so she was forced 
to agree to this in public, but she wouldn't say a date. And that was her little victory. And she, she, um, she was very uh, avoid... pleased with herself. Yeah, she was. She sort of gloated about that a bit too openly, said, saying that, yes, Britain will eventually join the ERM, but when the time is right. And she sort of. That's like my parents say to me, yeah, yeah, we'll go to Disneyland one day. <laughs> Still not maybe, been to Disneyland, maybe. John. Oh, do you know what? You might be a bit old for it now, if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> but anyway, Thatcher didn't go to Disneyland. She demoted Howe. He had right. been foreign secretary and she demoted him to leader of the house and at the same time called him deputy prime minister, which was not Oy. a title that had existed then. She was going, well, I'm still deputy prime minister. That's pretty good. And Bernard Higgins went, it's a courtesy title, you twat. <laughs> so they, really, they really kept insulting him by saying it was a courtesy title. I mean, it's meaningless. It has no constitutional value, How? So don't go bragging that you're deputy prime minister because oh. it's just courtesy, wanker. <laughs> So they, they gave him that courtesy title in the rudest manner possibly. They took away his lovely grace and favour country house, uh, Chevening, which you get if you're... Uh, Don't tell me, John, you've been there, right? You, every, time we <laughs> men- every time we mention a lovely country estate, John's been there. I have been. Is that where you used to, you used to go like... swimming there? Did you used to... What no, did you do there? Did you play croquet on the lawns? There. No, that's a good I think Prescott played croquet on the lawns there, didn't he? No, <laughs> I have been to Chevening, Angela. You're right. Uh, when David Miliband was foreign secretary, I got invited there. The whole family got invited there. So my kids have been to Chevening when they were little. And uh, it was Easter, actually. And we had an Easter egg hunt in the garden. And it snowed. And we had a snowball fight. And it might have been my son. It might be one of the other kids. Got David Miliband right in the head <laughs> with, a, with an icy snowball. And I just remember David Miliband crouching down going, Jesus, bloody hell. <laughs> and... Uh, so, yes, we ran around for catching eggs. It's an amazing place, evening. And uh, the other thing I remember from it is that... Oh, I'm Freddie surprised have... the Secret Service didn't take Freddie out. Yeah. He <laughs> just started at the secondary school, which we campaigned for in Lambeth, where our producer mm. Spike went as well. Uh, that was uh, a brand new school then. Andrew Adonis was there, who was very much involved in the whole academy's programme. And he knew that my son was at this brand new academy. And he said, what do you think of your school, Freddie? And Freddie, just to wind me up, looked at Andrew Adonis and went, much rather gone private. <laughs> <laughs> Little bastard. <laughs> so look, um, we go against our parents, John. That's I know. <laughs> he is my my son is militant uh, state school. That's, uh, he's, he's, he would, he doesn't think that at all. But he did that to wind me up. So yes, I have been to Chevening, but Jeffrey Howe to draw to, to, yes, sorry, to bring yes. it back to our thing was very upset about losing Chevening, and he'd very much enjoyed having that. So mm. uh, he had had. Uh, He'd been insulted and put down by Maggie Thatcher for a long time. Um, And, you know, she continued to humiliate him at Cabinet over and over again. And a man can only take so much humiliation and put down, in Jeffrey's case, 11 and a half years. (laughs) Quite a lot of humiliation. Yeah. So he eventually resigned in October 1990. I should say Lawson had resigned a year before over another thing about Thatcher's having an economic advisor that he didn't approve of. So Howe was the last of the 1979 cabinet uh, to leave. He was an architect of Thatcherism and it left her looking sort of increasingly isolated and out of touch. Mm. But it wasn't really, I would say it wasn't really Europe that did it for Thatcher. I mean, they loved, people say it was a brand issue of Europe. What it was, was that the Tories were going to lose the election unless they got rid of her. And the Tory party has always been very good 
uh, reinventing itself and mm. ditching leaders if they need to, as we've seen recently. If they'd been ahead at the polls, I reckon she could have, you know, taken us into Europe, out of Europe, towed Britain into the middle of the Atlantic if it would have <laughs> won them the election. But because Labour were ahead with double digit poll leads, Labour were 10 points ahead. The Tories were looking at their seats and thinking, are we going to keep our jobs? Do we need to get Mrs. Thatcher out of hers? Because she had made a fatal mistake with the issue of the poll tax. Dun, dun, dun. That Sorry, might that be felt... time to take a break. <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. Ow, ow, ow. I've, I was going to teach you the words during the break, but you know them I've now. got the hang of them already, John. You're a fast learner. You're a fast learner. Okay, we'll see you after this. Words from our sponsors, Bloody Capitalist. Welcome back to We Are History. During Maggie, break... Maggie, Maggie. Out, gone, out, gone, out. Gone. Sorry, I'm still going. I've been going the whole time. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I, I went on a march with my dad back in the day, CND marches or whatever, and there's one march when there was a women's only section of the march. Mm. And he kept drifting slightly and wandering into the women's only section. <laughs> and he, they kept saying, can you stay out of the women's only section, please? And he went, oh, I terribly sorry i'm terribly sorry he gets a, and then, then he drift in again you're in the women's only oh i'm sorry dear i'm so my love it's like no, oh dad, god <laughs> but well anyway i was just talking in the break there angela with our with our producer spike he was telling me that his dog twice interrupted maggie thatcher on a picnic stealing her sausage rolls in richmond park can you did, did you train him to do that <laughs> the dog was called paddy can you imagine there's Paddy's going for Thatcher? It's like <laughs> the gunman must. <laughs> this was when she was retired, I suppose. But yeah, so well done, Paddy, for stealing Thatcher's sausage rolls. It's. You know. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ros Taylor with news of Oh God, What Now? The politics podcast that's never going to leave its voter ID at home. On Friday's show, it's six months until the US election, and Donald Trump is stuck sitting on trial in a New York courthouse. Is he bulletproof or can Joe Biden turn around the polls? In the second half, it's local elections week, but we've steadily taken power away from local authorities. What if we gave it back? And in the extra bit for supporters, is there a right level of ruthlessness in politics? That's Oh God, What Now? with me, Ros Taylor, Raphael Baer, Hannah Fern, guest Nikki McCann-Ramirez, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway, we're talking about the poll tax the yes. poll tax and the demise of Thatcher. Now, the poll tax was the opposition's name for this new levy for local mm. government. It had echoes of the Peasants' Revolt of Henry VIII, even though it was slightly different. But it was fundamentally uh, the same in that everyone paid the same. Yeah. It's called the Community Charge, wasn't it? The, it was. The official was. name, which I, I all I think of when I hear that is Community Chest in Monopoly. It was, yeah. It was like everyone's doing parodies of Monopoly. And, yeah. 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 Um, and if you're going to give something a, a, a tricky new tax and you don't want it called the poll tax, don't give it a longer name. Yeah. Make it say. snappier. <laughs> Make it snappier than poll tax. Hard, I know. But, you know, the fair tax or something. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Community Charge was never going to stick. They said it's... Cost the same for a duke as a dustman. And they're very pleased with that because they both started with D. They spent ages actually on that one. It was like, it cost the same for a lord as a busker. Oh, that's no good. Mm. It cost the same for a prince <laughs> as uh, the bloke who does the tax. Oh, no, that's no good. Tell me so, again, I mean... John, why, why are there no right-wing comedians? <laughs> it cost the same for a duke as a dustman. <laughs> 
but when I must confess, Angela, when I first yeah. heard the idea of the poll tax, I was sort of terrified and awestruck by its political brilliance. I thought, mm. here is a piece of voter suppression that will solve the, the unpopular rates and yeah. keep Labour voters off the electoral rolls. Thatcher... Well, in power forever is what it, I thought it would yeah because it. it would be disenfranchisement through the back door wouldn't it if it would, you didn't yeah. want to pay the poll tax you wouldn't you'd have to stay off the electoral register and then you've got all these transient communities that wouldn't yeah wouldn't wouldn't be on the, on, the, on the thing and that's actually what happened when it was piloted in Scotland the year before it came in in England they did it in Scotland and a people refused to pay because they said it was a you know a fundamentally unjust tax but also as you say they just could not track it was down to landlords to say who was in their properties. You know, you might have, if you're a landlord, you might have 10 properties, students moving in and out. So friends coming surfers. to stay. So, yeah, yeah, all that. And they had, I don't think the choice had any idea how hard housing was for people at the bottom of the But they bar. don't, do they? Because they all own their houses and, you know, yeah. their houses are passed down from generation to generation. They've got no <laughs> idea what temporary housing is. Yeah, it was a, a nightmare administratively as well as politically. Uh, but the key mistake that Thatcher made, uh, which was so unlike her, was she allowed it to cost people more money. So all the her political success had been built on giving people free money. People thought free money was a great idea. Well, Selling, you give, would, wouldn't you? <laughs> council house sales have you know have a hundred grand house for fifty grand. You know, yeah. Uh, British Gas shares. We'll put them on at ten quid. You can sell them next day for twenty quid. Everyone yeah. loved this. Kept her in power. You know, tax cuts. So suddenly, the Middle England had voted for her. Everything great. We're getting rid of the rates. That rates bill was five hundred pound a year. What's this poll tax charge? Seven hundred. <laughs> you know, they were really angry. They'd had eleven years of thinking they were being given free money. Exactly, and it's like what? what, what no more free money. This is outrageous. Mm. What was a joy to behold in these times, Angela, was seeing how unfair the newspapers started to be towards Thatcher and her policy. Mm. Because they sort of <laughs> merged the two ideas of the unfair tax and the administrative nightmare that it became. So there'd be a whole page in the sun. They sent our dog a poll tax demand. <laughs> Isn't it ridiculous? And it's like this crazy tax is now being charged to dogs. The real story there is that people filling out the form put their dog on the form. Yeah. They're the how idiots. Did they, well, this is, I always see that when they say things like yeah. that. You go, well, how did they know who what your dog's because, name was? You must have told them. Because <laughs> you did it wrong. Not you put it on yet. the census form or on the electoral roll. If you put your dog on the electoral roll, they're going to get a letter. <laughs> now Thatcher's crazy taxes on dogs. <laughs> so that's so yeah, it was a joy to sit back and watch her get all the flack for that. Um <laughs> you know <laughs> do not put on this form the name of your imaginary friend, you know, your goldfish or the people who you bought the house off, you know. So all this oh, happened dear. and it was in the papers every day. Uh despite how badly it had gone in Scotland, they they were ploughed on and on April the first, eighteen nine, uh in England and Wales. Uh, the poll tax was brought in on April Fool's Day. Yeah. Bloody right. Did Bloody that on right. purpose, so, didn't they? Some people pointed that out. Oh, uh, did they, John? <laughs> yeah, they said it's ridiculous. Don't miss um, a trick, do they, these papers and people? <laughs> so, but the day before, the Saturday before, there was a massive demonstration in uh, London. And I think whenever there's a documentary about Thatcher or, you know, her end or her period, they always show this footage of the... The riots in Trafalgar Square, the uh, porter cabins burning outside South Africa House, the scaffolding poles being put through police, 
uh, car windows. It's great TV. <laughs> it wasn't the riots that did for her, though, was it? It wasn't. The, no. It wasn't because I think there's a feeling. Obviously, I was very young, John, when yes, this happened. So, so young, you know, you're so young. You're still really young, Angela. Really Thanks, John. <laughs> it's all it's all comparative, isn't it? Spike <laughs> sitting there thinking she isn't. I mean, she's literally old enough to be my mum. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the the uh, it what it's it's tempting to think yes they rioted and it worked and it sort of yeah. the end of that but it didn't I mean that's not what did for her with the riots no, was no, it I'll tell you it what was what the did fact for her. that it was people tutting in Middle England. There isn't yeah. a very dramatic TV coverage of people tutting in Middle England. No. But her natural supporters being slightly miffed yeah. just isn't as good TV. Well, what she uh, did there, it was a bit like what Theresa May did with um, social care for old people in her last manifesto. Nothing um, has changed. You yeah. know, and you just go, well, what you've done there is you're alienating your core voters, right? Yeah. The people, the people sort of taking to the streets and rioting weren't, Going to vote yeah. Tory anyway, probably. They were, no, they, they were all um, on the bloody electoral register. Tell me about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, it was shooting herself in the foot, wasn't it? Yeah, the whole it was, thing. It was. it was a bit like One Direction releasing an album called Teenage Girls Are Fat and Stupid. <laughs> like it. Have they? Have they done that? Not, not as far as I know, John. <laughs> like, okay. would account for so their I, demise. I wasn't there on the day of the riots, Angela. I was giving out leaflets outside the Arndale Centre. Of course, party. you were. <laughs> Onesworth Arndale Centre. I'd like to hear about the local elections for the Labour Party. Three miles away, Trafalgar Square in flames. All my mates you know, booing, chucking their placards at the police. John, John O'Farrell back in Wandsworth going, vote Labour in May the 3rd, vote Labour. Was there a so, reason you didn't go? You're not into riots, John. Not your thing, is it, really? Well, because I was a candidate at this. this I was, oh, I was of actually course a, you I were. I was standing for the council in 1990 mm. against, in Thatcher's favourite borough, Wandsworth. Yeah, we were going to show her by stealing the, the the jewel in the crown of Thatcherism. Didn't quite work. Well, out the like thing that. is, the jewel in the crown of Thatcherism was stolen, but not by you, was it? No, it's just by her. <laughs> they bloody kept it. But the May nineteen ninety elections were very bad for the Tories, except the bit where John was standing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did, didn't uh, they increase their majority? They, in well, your... I, I stood in Labour seat, actually. So it'd be oh, right. Labour, Labour had 30 councillors. The Tories had 31. And I stood in the most marginal ward in the whole of London. Labour majority of four votes. <laughs> Not by the time I finished with that, Angela. It wasn't a marginal seat after that. The Tories had a landslide in Wandsworth. <laughs> Um, Sorry, it's they, not they, funny. It was like zero poll tax and all that. You know, it was like the cheapest. I think it was the lowest poll tax in the country. They got right. all these grants from the, from the government. And so, uh, yeah, that was the end of my council career. So presumably a lot more people voted then in that borough than would ever yes, usually actually, vote was, in council it elections. Turnout. It was like 65%. You've wow. got a very good memory. Very good memory. I've read book, the book, Angela. John. I've read yeah. the book. Yes, well, there's lots of interesting cephalogical facts in my book. It's gripping. It's gripping <laughs> stuff. The only comfort I took from her winning Wandsworth and Westminster at that election was I thought, well, maybe they'll keep Thatcher and uh, she'll lose the next election and be humiliated by Prime Minister Kinnock. Yeah. <laughs> Not oh. going to tell you what happens. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> but the poll tax stayed. Despite the bad elections in May 19, the, you know, it was such a Thatcherite policy, it couldn't be done away with without replacing Thatcher. And more and more Tory MPs came to realise that this would be the only way of keeping their seats was not to keep their leader. Well, they've got a general election coming up in two years. The poll tax, which she won't get rid of, is desperately unpopular. She's got yes. she to go. She's got to go. She's got to go. Waiting in the wings. Do you know who was waiting in the wings, Angela? Heseltine. Do you remember him? Michael Heseltine, I do. Very slick. 
He was very slick, wasn't he? he had a lot of yes. a bit of mane of blonde hair. That sort of wavy. Yes. Yeah. And he'd flounced out of the cabinet in 89, 86 it was. You know how he left the cabinet? Mm, flounced. Nope. He flounced. flounced. He flounced <laughs> out of the cabinet. Yeah, over some sort of obscure thing that we weren't going to now, but it was called the yeah. Westland Crisis. And then for the next three years, he was doing the rounds of every constituency. Schmoozing everyone. Schmoozing them, doing what they called the rubber chicken circuit. He was a good yeah. after dinner speaker, Hasseltine. You know, credit where it's due. Did you do you know that story about the napkin he wrote on at university? No. He apparently one of his mates at university, who I think became an MP as well, of course, yeah. said that he wrote down. They were sitting around. They said, "What do you want to do with your life?" And they all wrote down on a napkin. You know, this posh did a restaurant that those students got to go to. Uh, he wrote, uh, "Millionaire by thirty, MP by forty, Minister by fifty, Prime Minister by 60. And, Otter uh, wanker. <laughs> but he did all of them except Prime Minister and he got to be Deputy Prime Minister. So, you know, just shows you if you set your mind to something, Angela. It shows you if you're from a rich, wealthy family and privately educated, you can put your mind to anything. <laughs> just write on a napkin, Netflix special. <laughs> Netflix special by the time I'm 50. And you'll have it. So, where was I? Yes. yes sorry, End of October, yes. Thatcher's anti-Europeanism is even more blatant in the House of Commons. Uh, she did this big anti-European speech. No, 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 about you know, all the things that Europe wants. Jeffrey Howe can take it no longer. He resigns on November the 1st. Um, and uh, you can only challenge in the Tory party at the beginning of the parliamentary session. So, you know, a year after Anthony Mayer had been seen off, yep. there was speculation that, you know, was someone going to stand against her? Yep. Jeffrey Howe has a resignation speech. Michael Heseltine had said there were no foreseeable circumstances in which he would run against Thatcher. Then... Until... <laughs> Jeffrey Howe made an interesting speech. Oh, what? Jeffrey Howe made an interesting completely speech? Completely unforeseeable. Is this the so, angry speech you talk about? There's this Jeffrey Howe speech that you describe in your book as... Um, it was like uh, the anger of the sex pistols delivered by Eeyore. <laughs> That's exactly very well that remembered. That I was remember that. Speech. That yeah. was stuck yeah. with me. <laughs> Yes, he um, does this whole um, very measured speech, but the content was scoring. I mean, somehow the sort of clash between his simmering fury and his monotone delivery mm. makes it very powerful TV. And remember, the TV cameras had only been in the House of Commons for a year or so at that point. So it was gripping for us oh, to watch course. this and go. There's something very um, unnerving about someone who's angry, but not emotionally so. Yes, there's something yes. like about controlled anger is quite unnerving. Yes, he did, this whole, it, but... he did this whole speech saying it is rather like sending your opening batsman to the crease only for them to find as the first balls are being bowled that their bats have been broken before the game by the team captain. Like, John, I know we've slagged <laughs> off, you know, a lot of the writing. That they've done, but this is not a good metaphor, is it? It's not. It's not like, a really good metaphor. I mean, you, everyone's wincing. The Tories are going, "Oh, that's very damaging. Oh, that's strong stuff." That, who who's breaks playing bat? cricket without noticing their bat's broken? I'm just also, going out to the crease with his bat. Gets to the crease. Oh, it's been broken in two by the <laughs> by the captain. And also, have you ever tried? I mean, they're they're made of what they're made of. They're hard. Willow. Willow. Yeah, willow. It is willow. Yes, yeah. They're rock solid. You can't break a break cricket a bat. bat. Into... That's pretty Thatcher. She wasn't going to go breaking bats over her knee, was that she? That metaphor is the worst thing the Tories have ever done. <laughs> it is. You would know this, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> but, you know, because it was the House of Commons and the half joke always sort of, you know, mm. gets a, a lot. He had Nigel Lawson sitting right next to him, 
nodding sagely all the way through and mm. all the Tories go oh that's brilliant and Thatcher mm. she couldn't quite hear so she had a, her ear pressed to the speakers in the chair so it was all very dramatic and they all gasped and winced Howe ended his speech with a challenge to others to stand against her it is now time for others I can't remember how he said it it's not like to decide uh, the, 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 the clash between their loyalty to their party and their country with which I have wrestled for perhaps too long And we know who he meant, don't we? (laughs) Step forward. Michael Heseltine steps out out of his house with his wife standing next to him. Mm. And he says, I've been persuaded that I should allow my name to go forward. This is great. (laughs) That's how they would say. He doesn't go, me, me, me. I'll I'll do it. I'll do it. Let me, let me. Yeah, I bet you took a load of persuading me. Yes, I've been persuaded that the time is right for me to allow my name to go forward. And the way they, some of their language about these things is ridiculous, isn't it? Mm. Um, The convention in the Tory party, apparently, is for him to, he wrote to his constituency chairman. So that's how he did it. To announce that he wanted to stand. uh, He was going to stand for the leadership. If that happened in the Labour Party, no one would find that letter for a month. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be like, like, uh, where, what, what letter? Oh, hang on. It's under these uh, parties. The raffle stubs. No, hang on. Oh, where's that license application for that piss up we were going to have? (laughs) So he wrote to his constituency chairman. Obviously, I think he probably did a press release at the same time. But what was brilliant was he announced this on the steps and he said, if elected, I will commission a fundamental review of the poll tax. Aha, that's going to win back those Middle Englanders. And God, it must have pissed her off. So he mm. didn't even call it the community charge, bless him. He said poll tax. He said tax. poll tax. Oh. Yeah. So he was, from then on, he was lobbying like mad around the House of Commons. Meanwhile, her election team, they were like, well, I think, I think we should go and have some lunch, don't you? Some <laughs> and some brandy. And, oh, a I bit of Claris, lovely. I might have a little sleep in a leather chair this afternoon. And that's literally what happened. So in, in uh, Alan Clark's diaries, he goes round to her campaign office and the mm. bloke in charge is asleep in a leather armchair. Jesus. Uh, such was the complacency. Again, this is that arrogance and complacency of being in power and winning three elections in a row, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, she didn't make a single call during the whole campaign to any MPs, any waverers. You know, Meanwhile, he's run... schmoozing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Thatcher had to go to Europe, uh, ironically. Yeah. Um, and so she was at a dinner with Mitterrand and um, Helmut Fatty Cole. While she was waiting for the results to come through, you know, we were all glued to our sets. She was inside this grand palatial thing, all dressed up in a ball gown or, you know, dinner dance mm. outfit. The results come through. 204 for Thatcher, 152 for Heseltine, lots of sport papers. She got 55% of the vote. So Ooh. over half, but under the rules of the Tory party, just... Two votes short of a necessary victory. If she just schmoozed two yeah. people. <laughs> if she'd just made a few calls, she would yeah. have stayed on. So she's there. Do you remember the footage of this, Angela? I don't. I don't. Uh, John Sargent, the uh, with a political reporter, was yeah, outside yeah. under this building in Paris on the steps. He's reporting on it as if it's like an abstract fact. And down, for the doors open behind him, and this <laughs> woman comes down like Dick Emery in drag in her high heels, <laughs> clip clop, clip clop, clip clop. And he's going, well, you know, we, we may expect to hear from Mrs. Thatcher's eye. She's behind you, John. She's behind you. And he turns around. She's... She's, he's virtually punched off the microphone. Whacks him out the way with her handbag. <laughs> yeah, exactly like this. Bernard Ingham grabs it. You go, where's the microphone? Where's the microphone? Here's the microphone. He's sort of like you know, b- biting the blood off his lip. <laughs> and she grabs it and she goes, I've, I'm very pleased to have got more than half the parliamentary party, but, uh, but I, I fight on, I fight to win. Now, this is I fight to win, John. That's sort of telling 
statement yes. from Thatcher, isn't it? Not yeah. we. Yeah, not we not are the famous a grandmother. We. No. Yeah, that's right. She'd been saying we forever, so the power was slipping from her already. Mm. Um, were you the, were you writing for Spitting Image by this point? I was. I was. I was uh, one of the lead writers at this point, and I, yeah. I wrote this sketch because this was such exciting. It was so exciting for me to be on the left to be writing yeah. for the main topical comedy show in the country. Yeah. I wrote this sketch, uh, which we put right at the end of the show, which was just her walking around the House of Commons. It was a post sig after the credits, just Thatcher walking around a dark, echoey House of Commons. And you heard the echoes of her former greatest speeches, like, this lady's not for turning and oh, just yeah. rejoice at that news. No, no, no. And then she just sobbed quietly on her own in the corner. End of show. Wow. And it was it was not comedy. And I was really proud of this. And yeah. then I heard our researcher knew a couple of guys who worked in the House of Commons, uh, worked for Tory MPs. And they said they were so moved by that that they changed their votes to abstaining to voting for her. So what? all this time... <laughs> So, John, oh. are you telling me that that having lost the council seat <laughs> yes. in, in, in May, in, the, in, in November, the May, I actually got people to vote for Thatcher with my satire? You were better at getting people to vote for Margaret Thatcher than you were getting people yeah. to vote Labour, John. Yeah, that was it. I, that's the so, <laughs> that's ah! like The power of satire it never goes the way you want. Um, that's so funny. So... The cabinet were expecting consultation before she announced that she'd fight on to mm. win. And this alarmed them even more. So back in the UK, the chief whip, I can't remember his name now. John Wakem was it? John Wakem, I think. He arranged for them all to talk to her individually. All the ministers. All the ministers, one by one, tea with mm -hmm. Thatcher in the little office behind the speaker's chair. Mm. They all said the same thing, Angela. Do you know what that was? Step down, resign. Go now, go now, <laughs> go now. Um, yeah, so they yeah. all went, I'm going to vote for you. You know, if you stand, of course, I'll vote for you because I'm in your cabinet. But mm. you will lose and you're letting Heseltine. So if you don't want Heseltine to be prime minister, you've got to resign and let one of us, someone from the cabinet stand. So yep. they said it in different ways. John Gummer blubbed. That's so sorry. You go, oh. I'm you, Maggie. I don't want you to go. What a pussy. <laughs> Ken Clark was like, yeah, turn your lights on the way out of Downing Street, will you? <laughs> um, I think Ken Clark is the closest to a Tory minister that I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was sort of, uh, you know, he seemed to enjoy life a bit, didn't mm. he? Yeah. But anyway, she slept on it. Uh, next morning, she woke up and uh, uh, apparently Dennis said, I don't want to see you humiliated. We were like, don't tell her. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so next morning, 22nd of November, 1990, she resigned. Mm -hmm. The news uh, sent shockwaves around Britain and the world. She'd been there 11 and a half years. She stood outside Downing Street and said, we leave the country in a very much better state than when we found it. No. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> said, Tell that to the bloody north. Yeah. Um, a little bit, a little bit, a few tears in her eyes and her car sped away. Uh, I remember that. I remember the sort of breaking voice and her and the yeah. car getting in the car. And the, I remember I sort of remember seeing that on the news. Yeah. And that was it. And then suddenly it was like the king is dead. Long live the king. Who's it going to be now? Who's next? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got Heseltine, obviously, who's already yes. been schmoozing. Then you have Douglas Hurd. Yep. Oh, um, Douglas Hurd, the one with the voice <laughs> like a Dalek. Yeah. <laughs> and a Mr. Really Whippy on his impression. head. <laughs> I once saw Douglas Hurd in a Pizza Express. There you go. You sure it wasn't um, Prince Andrew? <laughs> no, because he was sweating. Um, <laughs> and then this other new boy, John Major. Yes. Now, John Major, of course, was 
Thatcher's choice. And this is where I've got yeah. a question for you. So I was talking to my other half, Matt, about yeah. this episode. And he said he can remember vaguely, because he's sort of same age as me, he can mm-hmm. vaguely remember a spitting image sketch. Yeah. And it was um, Margaret Thatcher sort of preparing a robot of John Major. Yes. Like building oh, well a remembered. Yeah, robot. Well remembered. He, he, he can't remember the ins and outs of it, but he can just remember that as a sketch. Yeah, and I said, I'd ask you whether you wrote that. Yeah, or whether it was me. You... That was yeah. me and my co-writers. I think there was the four of us in that room that came up with this angle. But we were struggling for John Major for a while. She'd said mm. during this campaign, I'm a very good backseat driver. So vote for Major, basically saying, I'll, I'll tell him what to do. So right. we put this sort of... And he was like very bland and we made him a robot to start with. And that didn't really stick. That went so far. And we had a little spinning radar thing. And then yeah. after about, maybe it was after a series, I said to Bill Dare, the producer, how about if he's always in black and white and everyone else is in colour? And he mm. went, oh, that's the one sketch idea. I went, let's try it, let's try it. And they painted him grey. Yeah. And it stuck. And it just like, yeah, perfect. It's one of those ideas that's really obvious once you've done it. But at yeah. the time, it was a proper long discussion. And that's one of the room. things you, you talk about spitting image, the grey yeah. John Major. That's one of the things that really sticks. Did yeah. that happen after he was prime minister? Or was that when yeah, it was it still did. a league? Yeah yeah. 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 yeah, it wasn't at this point. No, we yeah. were struggling to get an angle on him at this point. Because mm. he was very new. It was like Rishi Sunak now. It's like, where did this guy yeah, come from? Yeah, who's this guy? Yeah. We know nothing about him. It's very yeah. hard. Because I remember doing news quiz sort yeah. of at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. And it was when Rishi's just sort of rolled out all the economic plans. We were like, oh, I've got. I, I need to find things to grasp onto with this guy because yeah. I don't yeah. really know anything about him. Yeah. So there's a, this the competition between the three of them. And Major was first out of the traps. He had the front page of the Evening Standard, My Classless Society by John Major. Mm. And then suddenly they're going to Douglas Heard. Didn't you go to Eton? He's going, <laughs> yeah. Well, are you? You're not classless. Are they? Okay. And, and, and Herb was like, Look, this is the leadership, the Conservative Party you're talking exactly. about. I, I felt did. a bit sorry for him, really. He had a point, yeah. you know. You never expect as the leader of the Conservative Party that you have to defend being an Etonian. <laughs> I know. Well, that doesn't seem to make any difference now. So um, yeah. in the second round, Major got 185 votes. Hesseltine got 131 votes, which was down on the 152 he'd got. Mm. And Herd got only 56. Herd withdrew and then... Uh, so obviously it was because it would be between Major, Major and Heseltine. But then Heseltine yeah. unilaterally withdrew as well, even though he didn't have to. He could see he wasn't going to win it. He could see the momentum was with Major. So he it's thought, better to oh, withdraw than lose, right? Better to withdraw with lose, be in, be in Major's cabinet. I think mm-hmm. he probably negotiated that deputy prime minister title uh, at that point that he became deputy prime minister. Heseltine said, he who wields the dagger rarely wears the crown. Mm. So, which is supposed to be a quote from somewhere, but it turns out it's not a quote from anything. Oh, really? Uh, Sounds yeah. sort of Shakespearean, doesn't it? Does it does sound Shakespearean, doesn't it? But I think it's yeah. Heseltinian. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, Thatcher herself had done both. She had been the wielder of the dagger against Heath and yeah. the crown. So, you yeah. know, it never, never, you never know. So, Major she who wields the handbag should be. That's, that's better. Yeah, that, yeah. Is in, that is in Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Major became Prime Minister without winning the Tory leadership under the rules of the party. Mm. He sort of well, fell did... into it, just like just like Theresa May did. Yeah. Didn't um, Thatcher make the point that he won the leadership on fewer votes than she lost it on? That's true. Very magnanimous yeah. of her. I thought, yeah, thanks for pointing yeah. that out, Maggie. <laughs> yeah, cheers, mate. You're supposed yeah. to be on my side. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, I remember being pleased about Major winning. I'm thinking, like, he's bland. He's not appealing. He won't win the 92 election. He's a good public speaker. He's the performer for TV. Mm. So I was going around saying, that's it. We have won the next election. John Major will be like, it'll be like a brief caretaker PM that everyone forgets about. Alec Douglas Hume, he's going to be forgotten. 1992, he got the most votes of any prime minister in history. 
Yeah. So there's there's my political acumen coming to the fore again. I think, John, you need to get out of political campaigning. <laughs> I think, this has been the problem with the I've left. I've got a feeling that you're to blame. Yeah. So Heseltine said this will mean an end to the rancor in the Tory party, which we all thought was hilarious. We did a whole spit image sketch of Heseltine just saying it over and over again. Will this mean an end to the rancor in the Tory party? Jonathan Ross, what do you think? Oh, I think this will mean an end to the rancor in the Tory party. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, Tories are always more ruthless with their leaders, aren't they? Better at changing horses in midstream. The Labour wouldn't be so brutal. Labour have never sort of been able to do that thing that the Tories can do. Of just no, just going, right, we're not going to win, so let's do whatever we have to do, whatever costs. Yeah, to win yeah. the next election rather than, you know... No, let's what? lose it. Let's lose it in style. That's always been yeah. way. So I went down to... The night she left, I went down to Downing Street with uh, Pete Sinclair as one of the other writers on uh, Spit Image. And uh, mm. there's no one there. We were just about... Us and uh, about three socialist workers going, Maggie, 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 gone, gone, gone. Some car drove out. Some black car came out at speed. And we went, boo, boo. <laughs> some poor civil servant. Going, What's what a Maggie, do? was it? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and yeah, then we had to write Spitting Image that week and we ended it with uh, Walk On By, set to loads of homeless people. So people uh, 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 oh, sort of a montage yeah. of the homeless of London would you know, walk on by. Yes. And that was sort of her legacy. Uh, we, we'd written that already, but we brought it forward to mark her yeah. legacy. So the what? poll tax was abandoned. Labour came to power in 97 and the Tories accepted that our future was in Europe and there was there was such a thing as society and that we should <laughs> all look out for each other and not only think of ourselves. And it was happily ever after. It was treachery, treachery with a smile on its face. <laughs> that sounded sort of a cross between Thatcher and Attenborough there. <laughs> yeah, it's treachery with a smile on its face. I still don't know yeah. which you're trying to do. <laughs> well, I was very sad about that, as you can see. We all went down Batsy Art Centre and had a lot to drink, and it was a great night for Batsy Labour Party. Yay. The end, Angela. The end, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thank you for listening, everybody. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at We Are History Pod. Um, John, well done. I want to congratulate you, John, that the last few tweets you've done have all been to the correct Twitter it's, address. It's, I'm very you know impressed. Because it's auto-correcting. It's filling it out for me. That's why. <laughs> on my Brilliant. new computer. So, yes. Yes, thank you for listening, everyone. Give us five stars on iTunes and tell your friends. Lots of people are listening, which is lovely. Yay. Um, so it makes it worth doing. To yes. get your lovely feedback and know that we'd bring a little happiness in this sad times. That's that's enough. <laughs> All right, John, for me. don't milk it. <laughs> um, so we'll be back next week with Angela's we episode. So that's yes. the seven hour seven hour special coming up there. <laughs> hey, look, you've looked, talking of Twitter. Have you seen how many people are saying how much they like my long episodes? They do like your long episodes. They're, yeah. being, they're being nice, Angela. They're all they're all called Bangla Barn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see you next time guys see you Thanks next for time bye